Hi everyone and welcome to today's episode of the live podcast, which is all about growing food at home to live a bit of a more a bit more of a sustainable lifestyle. And today's episode is all about raised garden beds and I'm going to share my top 10 tips for raised garden beds. I love growing growing in raised garden beds because it's a really quick way to start growing a lot of food no matter what your soil is like, whether you have really sandy soil, really clay, hard, compact clay soil, um, popping in some raised garden beds and putting all this good soil in is going to be a really quick way to start getting food. So in today's episode, um, we're going to do my highlight of the week, what's been happening in the garden. Um, the plant of the week, and then we're just going to jump straight into the 10 tips for raised, for raised garden beds. If you've got any questions, make sure you pop them in the live chat, um, and I'll answer those at the end of the episode, um, or throughout if I see them pop up, and um, they are on the same questions that we're talking about. Um, but highlights of the week. And feel free to let me know what yours are too. I would love to know. Um, okay. Highlight, highlights of the week. I always like forget forget to actually prepare and think about this. Um, but, well, one, definitely feed joas. They're falling off the tree now uh, every day, maybe twice a day. I'm picking feed joas from the ground. They're... Um, a lot of them get blown off in the night from the wind, so they're not necessarily fully ripe, but they're still ripe enough, they're still delicious, and I'm enjoying having those every morning. But I am collecting some, so I've got, oh, I don't know which side is, a, a little bit of collection behind me that I'm going to do some recipes on the weekend with, so I'm excited for that. And also behind me is something new that I acquired this week and that is a vanilla bean orchid. So I've seen this pop up on a few videos, especially uh, food forest style gardens in Costa Rica. They have vanilla bean orchids growing all through the trees and they look beautiful and obviously they produce vanilla bean pods, which is super exciting. So I thought when I saw it, I need to try this out. So I've got it in a pot. I'm going to keep it inside, especially now that we're cooling down, we're getting into winter. I'll keep it there. And then my aim is to find somewhere in the garden for it. So I'm not too sure where that will be. Potentially, I would love to be able to get a cutting or a second plant off it before I do that, just like as insurance. I like to do that with most plants that I um get is try and take a cutting or something so I have a backup plan if the one that I plant out doesn't make it I like to have multiples so we'll see if I can get that um, going but I will show you as well it's really beautiful plant um, it's got bright green leaves and um, they're really glossy and shiny and it's a climber so I think this is going to be beautiful no matter where it goes, even if it has to stay inside. Um, but we will see. And some other things that I did get, I got some fruit from the markets. So I got a giant papaya, a choco, 
and a tarot. Taro. So I'm going to be planting these. So I just got them to plant. I feel like it's much cheaper to buy things like this at the markets and then just plant them rather than actually getting plants. I mean, this is going to have hundreds of seeds in it, this papaya. So uh, instead of buying one papaya plant, I'm going to be able to germinate a whole bunch from this and I get to eat the fruit as well. So I do have some growing in the garden, but I wanted to get a few more. Um, and yeah, other than that, my gardens are looking really lush at the moment. Um, lots of things are starting to pop up and grow. So things that I planted a month ago uh, are really starting to take shape now and looking really lush and green as things tend to do in autumn and, and winter after such a hectic summer. Um, so that is actually just inspiring me more. I'm very inspired at the moment to be in the garden, to be planting more things. And that's just because of momentum and seeing things happen. So if you aren't feeling like that, if you are feeling stuck or you feel like you've been left behind, you haven't planted enough yet for winter, or you're just not feeling inspired by the garden, then just throw some seeds in, throw some plants in, in a month's time, they'll pop up and you'll get excited and you'll get a renewed sense of inspiration and feel more motivated to get stuck in. So just start, pop some things in, even some herbs, um, and I'm sure that inspiration will find you once they start popping up. Um, so that's pretty much what's been happening in the garden lately. I'm constantly planting at the moment still. I don't know how I still have any room, but I'm planting <laughs> Anyway, and just keep planting more and more and more. Autumn is like that for me. I do a lot of planting in autumn, um, especially staggered in stages for some succession planting and also just filling in all those gaps, as many gaps as I can fill. And obviously I'm losing things to bugs and critters so I can replace those ones with the new seeds. The slaters, you know, are relentless in, in my garden. And a new one that I've got is these tiny, tiny, tiny snails. They look like snails that you would find in a fish tank, like the ones that clean the fish tanks, those little tiny, tiny snails. I have a whole bunch of those. So I've got a few things that I'm going to test out and see uh, what I can do with that. So I'll definitely keep you in the loop and let you know how that goes. Um, because, yeah, that's something that is new and definitely eating my plants. <laughs> Um, but that's okay. I can share some things and I will just keep planting other things. Um, but let's jump into the plant of the week. Um, I've given you a little bit of a sneak peek on what that is going to be. Um, and that is the papaya. So I have a papaya, or I have a couple of papayas growing, um, in the ground. I've got one in a palette planter as well which I'm trying out because I do get a lot of wind so I'm trying to put them in places that are a lot more sheltered um, papayas are amazing and I'm really excited to plant a whole lot more plants and that's why I got this one here so I can get all the seeds from this and I can plant heaps more rather than you know buying one or two plants here and there papayas germinate really easily from seed so why not plant a whole lot um, they, the great thing about papayas is that you can eat them ripe or unripe. So 
they have multiple uses and you can get harvests throughout the growing period. You don't have to wait for them to be ripe. So, you know, the ripe papaya is really sweet and juicy and delicious for breakfast. And the unripe papaya is sort of more used as a vegetable. You can grate that. It's delicious grated into salads. It absorbs so much flavor, it's like marinades and dressings and sauces. Um, and then you can also use it cooked. So you can put it, put it in curries and things like that. You can use it sort of similar to maybe a zucchini or a carrot. Um, so it's so versatile in the garden, in the kitchen, and you can make sweet or savory dishes then because you've got the sweet version and then obviously the raw, um, or the unripe version. And, um, they're also really, really delicious dehydrated. So you can make some really sweet, delicious, natural snacks or lollies from all the ripe papayas. Um, or you can ferment them um, and you can ferment the unripe papayas as well. So there's so many different things you can do with them. I think they're a real powerhouse if you can grow papayas. They do like a warm climate, but that's not to say you can't try and make a little home for them. I know like my mum grows these in, um, in New Zealand, in Northland, in her greenhouse. So if you can have a greenhouse then you might you may be able to grow these but if you are in a warm climate then these are definitely something to think about because they're going to provide you with so much food and so so much variety in food um and yeah one one fruit is going to be able to reproduce so many seeds so once you have one growing and you get a ripe fruit you're pretty much set for life in the garden with papayas um and yeah i just think they're delicious and i'm going to be planting a whole lot more so we'll see how that goes and i'll definitely you know let you know how they go and take you along for the germinating and all of that um, but without further ado, let's get stuck into these 10 tips for raised garden beds. If you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed for all the upcoming episodes. But um, number one on the list of tips for raised garden beds is understand the sun and shade. So this is important, obviously, when you are deciding where to put your raised garden beds. But even once you have your raised garden beds established, the sun and shade is going to change. It's going to change over summer and winter. It's going to be different because in winter, the sun is a lot lower in the sky. So it casts a lot more shadows on things. So you'll find that you'll get a lot more shade in winter. And that's something to keep an eye on. And all your raised garden beds may be slightly different. So I have four raised garden beds and the four raised garden beds don't all get the same amount of sun and shade. Some get more shade than others. Some get more morning sun. Some get more afternoon sun. So it's something to just take an, to keep an eye on, make sure that you know. Um, and that can be influenced by things around you. So in terms of the house or nearby trees. And this can change. So it's something that you're constantly looking at because obviously if you have surrounding trees they're going to get taller and provide more shade or like me my neighbor cut down all the large trees which you know I just came home one day and all all the trees were gone um which didn't affect 
the sun and shade too much on my raised veggie patch, but it did affect the wind because it was a really good wind buffer right on the fence line that was now gone. Um, and it did provide a lot more light as well. So it's something that will change over time. So it's a good thing to just keep an eye on all the time. And knowing where the sun and shade is on your raised garden beds is going to determine what to plant where. So this can be really strategic. You can decide that in summer you want to plant some taller things on the side that gets the most sun to provide a bit of shade for the rest of the garden beds. And then in winter, you want to make sure that you're not planting the big things on the side that gets all the sun because it's going to block out all the sun um, for the other plants, which is something that's much needed in winter. And then you can decide you want to plant, you, well, you can decide to plant all the shade loving things in the shadier areas. So things like lettuces and leafy greens, if you're growing them during summer, they're going to want a bit more shade protection. So if you know which garden beds or which parts of the garden beds are getting the most shade, you can pop them there. Um, and the same with the sun loving things, things that want as much sun as possible, you can pop those in the areas or the gut or the raised garden beds that get the most sun. So it's just something to constantly be aware of. It's going to change. It's going to um, develop and knowing where your sun and shade is is going to really help you decide what to plant where um, and you can be super strategic about it to you know either offer protection from sun or um, let sun in and number two is have a compost system nearby and that can be anything. It could be a compost bin, it could be a compost tumbler, it could be a worm farm, it could be an in-ground worm tower. It could be that you use, uh, you have a chop and drop area nearby or a food forest style garden nearby where you like to just lay down all of the um, extra green material as mulch or chop and drop. But just knowing what system you have where and having something close by um, something that's close and convenient is going to make a really big difference. It is means that you're going to be more likely to get out there, prune things, harvest things, um, take things off and pop them somewhere where they're going to be useful rather than just putting it off or not doing it because you have to traipse it all out the back um, or you know the other side of your property to put it in the compost bin. Um, and that also means that you're going to have compost or nutrition for your garden beds close by when the time comes to top the raised garden beds up. Because that's important too, is to add nutrition into these garden beds. And if that's close by, it's so much easier than, you know, traveling it from one end of your property to the other, because then you're probably less likely to do it or you'll put it off and then, you know, it just won't happen. So having some something close and convenient is just going to allow you to um, keep on top of your compost and your nutrition and I like to do a lot of that in spring and autumn because that's when I'm doing all of my planting or the majority of my planting so I will always be adding lots of compost to my raised garden beds in spring and autumn um, and having that close by is really going to help. I didn't have one near my raised garden beds for a long time I did have an area though that I was using for chop and drop so anytime that I was uh, had like leftover you know cauliflower leaves or cabbage leaves or anything like that I was laying down in the garden bed next to it 
um, and using that to build layers um, and of compost and soil in that garden bed. But I have recently popped a um, compost bin out the front, so now it's so much easier. Uh, I can just go out in the morning, take a look through the gardens, and if there's you know things that I want to remove, leaves I want to remove, I just do that as I'm walking through the garden. Pop it in the compost, and it's done. And it makes life so much easier. And number three is vertical structures. So have a think about what vertical structures structures you could have with your raised garden beds. Um, and this can be great because if you need to add shade cloth, like I have to have shade on my raised garden beds because they're in the full sun in summer. And here in Perth, full sun is very extreme. You know, we get weeks of over 40 degrees and uh, just heats up the garden bed. It sucks all the moisture out and things can be crispy in a day if you don't water them. So for me, I have structures that I can put shade cloth on. But it could be for you if you're living in a colder climate that maybe you can put some um, frost protection over. So it's going to help keep your plants warmer, extend your season. Um, and having some sort of structure is going to make it so much easier to do that. Whether that's a frame um, or a arch or something like that. Having some area of vertical growing, um, vertical structure is going to increase your growing area. So you're going to be able to grow a whole lot more, use up more space if you have some vertical structures for plants to grow up. So then you can grow, you know, vines or peas, beans. My gosh, the bottle gourds in my garden this year were insane. Like I still have them behind me. Um, I have so many more coming. So having, you know, structures for things to climb up vertically is going to allow you to grow a whole lot more food uh, in the same space. And this can also reduce diseases. So if plants are climbers or ramblers, um, having them just on this on the ground can mean that they're going to pick up a lot more diseases and pests but being able to put them upright over a trellis or over an archway is going to help reduce the amount of pests and diseases it's going to get them off the ground so they're not going to get splashed with soil and things like that as well so it can be a really good way to reduce the pests and disease in your garden by having some vertical growing space and there's so many different ways that you can do this you could just have a tunnel going through the middle um, or you could have some trellises on one side. And again, this is going to determine the sun and the shade. So make sure you know where the sun and shade is so you know where you can put some vertical growing and it's not going to shade out the rest of your garden or it may shade out the rest of your, your garden on purpose because you want to offer more protection during the summer months or during the warmer months. Having something growing vertically could really you know, help out with shade so it yeah, comes back to knowing about your shade and sun to where to put your vertical uh, growing structures or growing spaces and number four my favorite is edible flowers so I like to put edible flowers in all my raised garden beds and I tend to put them in the corners or on the sides because most edible flowers are quite small or low-lying um, and having them on the sides means they're not going to be overshadowed or overcrowded by everything else growing in the middle. And they also act as little flags to the pollinators to say, come here, 
Um, I've got some nectar, some pollen for you to pollinate, and that's going to then increase the size and amount of food you're going to produce from the garden because pollination really is going to be the key to getting a successful harvest definitely with things like you know your zucchinis your melons cucumbers all of those if you aren't getting correct pollination you're not going to get as much food from it or you're going to get smaller food from it so bringing in as many pollinators as possible with edible flowers is definitely going to make a huge impact on your garden and having a really wide range of different colors different types of flowers because that's going to bring in a wider range of um, beneficial insects and pollinators to the garden and the more diversity in flowers the more diversity in pollinators and wildlife the more you're going to get things pollinated and your more food you're going to get out of it um, and that also is going to bring in more natural pest management. So um, a lot of our beneficial insects are going to help out with the natural pest management. And I've got little birds that come and get the nectar from some of my flowers. But while they're there, they, you know, feast on the little snails and things like that as well. So there are some birds that come and do both. And having those flowers helps bring them in. Um, and... Edible flowers do have nutrients. They add little micronutrients and um, I love using them in, co in cooking and in meals because they just add color and vibrance and it looks a lot more exciting. Um, and same with the garden. It adds so much more color to the garden. It makes me feel joy when I walk through the garden. If I see all these flowers, it adds color as well. So there's so many reasons um, to have edible flowers in the garden and that is why I have them in every single garden, especially in my raised garden beds. All right, so number five. I'm doing pretty good with the numbering here. Normally, if you've been watching my YouTube channel for a while, you know that my YouTube videos, I always stuff up the numbering. I've actually gone to the point now where I just like don't number things because I normally stuff it up, but so far so good on this. Um, we've got number five, which is soil. So you wanna make sure the top 30 centimeters of soil in your raised garden beds is the good stuff. So the bottom half of the raised garden bed, if you want to, you know, make it more economical and fill it up with other things, um, then just make sure that the top 30 centimeters is the good stuff, is the real nutritious stuff, because that's basically where all the roots are going to be on most of your annual plants are going to be within the first 30 centimeters. So if you are going to be filling up your raised garden beds with other things to, you know, reduce the amount of good soil you're needing to put in there, then just make sure you layer it and mix it up. So you're not putting in big clumps of like green material or um, big clumps of sticks and stuff. I like to mix it all up, do sort of like lasagna layering style, and that's going to make it easier to break down than if you have a big if you put in a big clump of green material, it might start to just rot and fester a little bit. Um, whereas if you spread it all out, mix it in with some small sticks. Um, I also put, you know, leaves, dried leaves and my own terrible sandy soil in there as well, along with a bit of compost. I sort of mix it all in in layers, um, but then I make sure that the top part of the raised garden bed soil is the good stuff. Um, and then I just continue to add things on top. So I do a no dig style 
in my raised garden beds, I continuously layer things on top, um, which we will get into in a another number. So number six is plant diversely. So this is something that I do in all my gardens, especially in my raised garden beds, is I like to mix all my plants up. I don't plant a whole raised garden bed in one thing. I will pop lettuces, like some lettuce in this one, some in the other one. Um, then I'll pop some cauliflower in one and the other one. And I just do it all mixed in together. And that's what has worked really well for me. It means that I haven't got all my eggs in one basket. So if I put them all in one garden bed and then something happens or bugs find it or the soil was not right in that garden bed, then I don't lose the whole crop. I only lose what was in that garden bed. So I always like to mix things all diversely. And I think that also really helps with the soil health. It stops, you know, you getting major nutrient deficiencies because, you know, if you have a whole garden bed in one thing, they're basically going to be sucking up all the same nutrients. Whereas if you have things all intermixed and interplanted, then they're going to be taking different amounts of each nutrient and you're less likely to get these severe depletions of certain nutrients. Same with diseases and things like that. Um, if you're growing all tomatoes in one garden bed and then you get diseases, that can be they, they can stay in the soil um, and, and affect other things. Whereas if you have things spread out, um, you're less likely to get those really heavy disease soils. Um, and having this diversity of plants is then going to bring in the diversity of insects and wildlife and microorganisms. And all of that is going to mean that you're going to get an overall healthy garden bed because the more diversity you have, the seems to be, for me, definitely the more healthier my gardens are. Um, so that's what, what works for me. I love planting diversely. I love mixing everything in, especially all of my annuals and my edible flowers. And also the next one, which is number seven, is perennials. So I mix perennials in as well. Um, I like to have a few perennials in all of my raised garden beds. And perennials are things that grow for more than a year. So things that grow either die down and grow back each season or they just constantly grow all year round and I feel like this gives you a lot more of a consistent food supply you're never really having to start from zero you always have something in that garden bed and that can just be helpful in terms of motivation and just being like not feeling so overwhelmed that you have to you know start from scratch and plant the whole garden bed out again if you've got little things left in from other seasons or things that grow all year round it's not going to be so overwhelming and you're going to be excited to you know have some gaps to plant in rather than being like oh my gosh I have so much area to plant um and having these things that are growing longer term is going to offer more protection because they will already be established they may be taller um, they may be able to offer some protection from the sun. They may be able to, you know, provide a little area of shade that you can pop the little seedlings in underneath, or they may protect from the frost. And then um, having these perennials in your garden bed and not having to start from scratch and not having to completely redo the garden bed each time is going to save you time and 
and effort. Um, so you're going to get more food without having to do as much work, which I love. I love harvesting all my food um, and cooking it and things like that. But I, yeah, I do. St I still love planting things, but having things in the garden already is definitely exciting. Um, and number eight is have a water source nearby. And this is also kind of similar, I guess, to having the compost system nearby or somewhere to compost nearby. It's make it close and convenient. Um, if it's not close and convenient, often it can get forgotten about or just put off. And here in Perth in summer, you cannot put off watering um, on those really hot days or things will just die or overheat. So um, by having it close and convenient is really going to make a big difference especially in summer because just like this morning I went out into the garden I walked I like to walk around my gardens in the morning with a coffee and I was walking around and I noticed that they were the raised garden beds were quite dry and it's always important to just check under the soil because it could just be that the top part is dry and the underneath isn't is completely moist and you don't want to be overwatering it either um, so always just have a check in the soil it and like it also could be look moist but when you dig underneath it's dry 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 so um I did that this morning and I noticed it needed water and I could just quickly get my hose I have a hose right next to my raised garden beds it's retractable so I don't have to fight it I don't have to try and unkink it um I just pull it out turn it on water the gardens and done so easy so quick and it meant that I didn't have to you know go inside put my coffee down undo the hose or get a watering can and take it out the front um, it was just done so I think that's really important for when you're planning out your raised garden beds is to have a water source nearby um, and then number nine is we want to add nutrients in so our raised garden beds have a limited amount of nutrition and by planting all these things in at each season it's going to use up some of that nutrition. So it's important that we constantly think about putting nutrients back into our raised garden beds. And there's heaps of different ways to do that. Some of the ways that I do for adding nutrients back into my garden is I have a layer of mulch. So I use a pea straw mulch a lot of the time that adds a little bit of nutrition as it breaks down. Um, and then at spring and autumn, I top that up again with new mulch. And I just pop that on top. So what I normally do is I have the mulch and usually it's half blown away or broken down over summer. And then I add fresh compost on top, just on top of the mulch. And then I will add another layer of mulch on top of that. So over time, you're getting layers of mulch, compost, mulch, compost. And it's going to keep adding nutrition to the garden beds. Because they will, the soil will go down over time if you're not adding stuff in. Um, even if you didn't put sticks and um, leaf matter at the bottom when you were starting them, even if you just had soil, it's still going to go down over time. So constantly topping it up is going to really help with that. Um, and other ways that you can do it is liquid fertilizers. So if your garden beds are already full and you don't have room to add compost or you don't have any compost or you don't have enough, um, then you can make some liquid fertilizers. And there's a whole bunch of different liquid fertilizers that you can make. You can make them from compost by soaking your compost in water 
um, and using a liquid version of it, you can, you know, ferment some weeds or some greens um, or, you know, chop and drop all the greens from your garden and you can pop them in a bucket let them start to rot down and infuse all of their goodness into the water, strain them off, and then use that liquid in the garden. Um, and the same with worm tea. So if you do have a worm farm um, or someone you know has one, then you can get the the worm, the worm <laughs> liquid and water it down and then use that to feed your gardens. And that's going to add so much goodness in. And it's easier to do that when you have things already planted because that way, you know, you can just pour the liquid all around them and you're not having to try and um, carefully put compost on top of little seedlings and things like that. So if you already have the gardens pretty much established, then that's when I'd be adding in the liquid fertilizers. But if you are kind of starting from scratch or you have quite an empty garden bed, that's the good time to chuck all the compost in and remulch it. Um, and you can also have worm towers. So you can you can do DIY on these as well. I've got DIY ones. Um, basically, all you want to do is have some sort of structure where you can pop, pop it into the soil have holes in the side of it so the worms can go in and out. Um, and then you fill the tower with scraps. So anytime you're wanting to remove leaves um, or something's overgrowing and you want to pull those leaves off to let light in, um, you can pop it in the compost tower or the worm tower. Um, make sure you've got a lid on it because you don't want rats and mice getting in or birds or anything like that. So always have a lid on it. Open it up, pop all the stuff in there put it down. And then all I do is, you know, after a while, if it's getting full, I'll stop putting stuff in there, let it break down for a couple of weeks, and then just pull it up and move it to another place. Leave whatever was there, there. So all the good soil that we've just made, all the worms and stuff, we just leave there and we just move it to another place. And having good soil and having, you know, all these tips that we've talked about so far, um, if you do this, worms will come. You don't need to put worms in your garden bed. They will they will come. If you build a really healthy, vibrant, diverse garden bed, the worms will come. And they'll come quickly. It's insane to see how much worms um, appear. And you wonder where they've come from. I find them in pots on concrete, like, you know, so far from the soil. Um, I've had so many worms pop up. I'm just like, how did you get here? Did you just crawl all the way along the concrete? Um, they must do. But if you build it, they will come. So don't worry about that. Um, just focus on, you know, adding all these nutrients, adding diversity. So the last one, which is something that is a little bit unusual. I don't know if, well, I know not everyone does this, but it's something that I've been doing and I've been finding it really successful um, and that is number 10 to leave the roots in the ground so when I'm harvesting things at the end of the season so for example I did it at the end of my winter season instead of pulling out all my cauliflowers and my broccolis I just cut them at the base and I left the whole root system in the ground and then the all the tops and leaves and stuff I popped in the compost but I left all the roots in the ground and the same with my pumpkins um, anything like that you know like basically all the plants I just cut them at the base 
and left all the roots in the ground. So now since winter, those roots have been breaking down in the soil. They've been adding nutrients slowly into the soil as they compost. And then um, by the time I'm now here planting, they've broken down. So this isn't going to work with everything in terms of like, you know, huge trees and things like that. Um, those roots probably won't break down quick enough for you to use the space. But small things, small annuals, their roots aren't huge. So they're going to break down really quickly. Um, one thing that is important though, is if the plant has died unexpectedly, like you didn't, there's no reason for it to die. It just got sick and died, then I would definitely pull that out. One, you want to be able to take a look and see if you can find out why it died. And often the roots are a really good indicator on why it died. Um, so if you pull the roots out of the dead plant, you may see that, you know, something's eaten all the roots away or there's fungus on the roots or there's big knobbly um, nematode things on them. There's so many things you can find out from the roots. And also if it did die of disease, you don't really want that just sitting in the garden bed. So if it has got sick and died, then I would definitely pull that out and not be breaking that down in the garden. But other than that, it also just saves so much time. You don't have to like wrestle with it. And then, cause sometimes when you pull things out, their roots have gone quite far and they're all intertwined with other plants. So if you pull it out, you often pulling up other healthy plants that you weren't intending on pulling up um, and can make make it quite difficult and quite annoying. So um, that's going to save that if you do just cut it at the base, leave it in the ground um, to break down naturally. And I mean, that is what's happening in nature anyway, isn't it? Things are breaking down naturally like that. Um, nature's not pulling it up and putting it somewhere, <laughs> putting it somewhere else. So I like to try and think of things in the way that what does nature do? Nature knows a lot more than me and is a lot better at it than me. So where I can try and replicate nature or work with nature, that's what I try and do. Um, so that's something to consider if you have things that are coming to end of life just cut them off at the base leave the roots in the soil and let it naturally break down in the soil um that is the top 10 tips so i hope that has helped you i'm gonna answer some questions now because um, we've got a little bit of time. So if you do have any questions, pop them in the live chat. Um, and let's catch up on what's been happening in your gardens, because I love how diverse our, um, watches are from all parts of the world. And you offer some really good advice. You offer so much in the live chat. So I really want to say thank you for that. Um, and we've got, you know, all these different countries. It's so awesome. And like people are also in different times or times so some people are coming into spring now some people are coming into autumn or are in autumn like me um so it's so interesting to see uh what has been happening in your gardens um oh no so we've got lots of drop lots of cabbage moth plant died papaya plant died because it got knocked over yeah papaya plants do get knocked over in the wind very easily so i've had that trouble in my garden so i'm trying to pop them in really sheltered areas um 
we get so much wind here. I, especially in summer, the wind is insane. Uh, sometimes it keeps me up at night because I'm thinking about <laughs> my plants and, um, and I can't sleep when I can hear that wind because I'm like, it's just knocking all my feed hours off or something like that. Um, what else have we got? Lots of edible flowers. Um, compost and green manure mulch is all my garden gets. That's great. As long, you know, using what you have in your garden is the ultimate way. Like using leftover green matter from your garden to then feed the soil is um, amazing. Yay, I leave the roots in the soil. Lots of people leaving their roots in the soil. That's so good to see. In cold climate, we just wait until spring to clean up. The roots have deteriorated by then. Um, that's awesome to hear as well. Yeah, we are pretty lucky here in Perth. Oh, my camera's um, unfocusing. That we can grow all year round. But many gardeners do have to let their um, gardens go dormant over winter when it is too cold. So having those things in the ground breaking down is just slowly adding nutrition. So by the time you come to spring and you can plant again, then you can, you know, have more nutrition in your soil. Um, but those are the tips for today. My camera is definitely losing light here. We are getting so much darker now, you know. Um, we're definitely losing light a lot earlier. But thank you all for joining me. I hope you got some inspiration from those 10 tips for raised garden beds um, and I will see you guys here same time next week for another episode. I hope you have an amazing week and get some time out in the garden. See ya.